Welcome to Leadership Conversations, the podcast of the Sustainability Board, where we explore the latest insights in sustainable leadership, ESG practices, and corporate governance. Each month, we bring you insightful interviews with business and civil society leaders, educators, and advisors who are at the forefront of driving sustainable change. We delve into the challenges, strategies, and innovations that are transforming businesses and boards. Join us as we uncover thought-provoking discussions and actionable insights that will inspire you to take your own leadership journey towards a sustainable future. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our podcast and be part of our growing community committed to making a positive impact. Visit our website at boardreport.org for additional resources and stay up to date with the latest reports, intelligence and conversations. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Frederick Otto, the Executive Director of the Sustainability Board, and I'm excited to welcome you to our first live episode of Leadership Conversations by TSB. Today, we discuss an urgent matter, building a sustainability culture. Across the globe, the words sustainability or ESG echo in every corner. Despite some short-sighted political pushbacks, businesses are recognizing that they must manage not just their opportunities and risks, but also their impact on our world. Most importantly, their contribution to the environment and social equality. Our challenge for the century is clear, to build more sustainable businesses. But how do we achieve that? To shed light on this important topic, I'm thrilled to be joined by two fantastic guests who firmly believe that the solution lies in cultivating a sustainability culture. Paul Washington, the executive director of the ESG Center at the Conference Board, the well-respected nonprofit think tank, in the US and Srinant Yalamanchili, Director ESG and Sustainability at Baker Tilly, the global consulting firm. We encourage you to actively participate in this conversation. Feel free to post your questions in the Q&A section. We're here to learn, share and grow together. So let's get straight to it. Welcome both and a special welcome to you, Paul. Tell us about your new report, Building a Sustainability Culture. What are the key findings and why is it so crucial for us today? Sure, thanks. And it's great to be with you both today. So the Building a Sustainability Culture Report is the culmination of a series of roundtable discussions we had at the conference board with the support of Baker Tilly that involved 250 executives from 160 different companies over the course of eight months, focusing on what a corporate sustainability culture is, what the elements are, why it matters, and so forth, and how you go about implementing it. It was a fabulous set of discussions, and I think we created some real groundbreaking insights. Just a few that come top to mind, which is, you know, we are fairly early in the process for most companies on integrating sustainability into their cultural DNA. Only about 13% of the companies we surveyed say that sustainability is deeply embedded at this point. The second big takeaway is if a company's interested in moving forward on this area, they really need to just choose a couple of key areas to focus on because you're trying to build in a sense of environmental and social responsibility into your organization. That's gonna come along with a lot of other existing aspects of your culture. 
you can't try to go ahead and you know incorporate five to 10 to 15 new elements into your culture. You have to focus on just a couple. And then I think we also got a bit of a breakthrough on even what goes into culture generally, but certainly sustainability culture. It's a combination of knowledge about the company's business, about the sustainability issues that matter. It's a mindset uh, that you bring to work every day of why this all matters. It's uh, a set of capabilities to implement change. And then, and only then, it's behaviors that actually change. And so companies have told us that this is awfully important for the top four reasons, to make a positive environmental and social impact, to improve long-term firm value, to increase innovation, and to make it easier to attract and retain talent. Thank you, Paul. Over to you, Srinant. You work in consulting, so I can imagine you talk to a lot of levels within an organization. What is the role of the board management teams and, of course, the rest of the organization, for example, middle management, in building this culture? Thanks. It's great to be here with everyone. And thanks to the TCB for having me today. In terms of that question, let's start with the role of the board. You know, the board sets the strategic vision and really establishes the direction in which an organization goes. So their real responsibility here is to, to do that with sustainability in mind. And how you do that at the board level is by appointing the right people that have that sustainable mindset, that have that cultural ethos already ingrained. So appointing leadership, uh, setting the principle of sustainability as core to how that business wants to operate going forward is really where I see a company board having the greatest Im impact beyond that I look at things like, and this might be a bit touchy to actually talk about, and I'm sure Paul's going to do with this later, but from a board level down, incentivizing sustainability achievement and, and, and fostering of that culture is really important. And when you do things like that and when you set that agenda and have the right people with that mindset in the right roles, what you're really setting yourself up for is continuous improvement in sustainability performance and culture right across the board. So in terms of that high-level, overarching, board-level, senior management type of role. That's it. It sets the scene. In terms of middle management, in terms of the rest of the organization, it's really on them to almost, instead of waiting for that, for that trickle-down to actually occur of what the sustainability ethos is, feed that in information back up to say this is what's important and this is what's material for us who are here day-to-day -day on the floor. For example, and 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 Paul touched on this before. A lot of business leaders say, "Well, you don't need to do everything all at once. You don't need to focus on fifteen different sustainability areas. What you need to understand is what's material to your people personally, and what's material to your business. There is no reason for an auto manufacturer to start dealing with what's an example food in 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 security as a major priority." right? There is a need for them to start dealing with alternative fuels and battery storage and all that type of stuff. So that that type of feedback and that type of in information and that type of leading from a what's material point of view is where the middle management really needs to feed back up to senior leadership. And in doing so, you foster a defined sustainability culture. You have a really good understanding of material impacts and you can grow together in a way that benefits the local community in which you operate and have a regionalized response from a sustainability point of view. Okay, my question then to you now, Paul, is what role mm. does purpose play here? It sounds like every role in the organization is supposed to have a purpose, which is supposed to tie in, obviously, with the reason why a business exists. 
What are your thoughts on a good purpose and making sure that it's not just a, an empty statement that doesn't mean anything? Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. So I think companies, it's helpful for them to think about purpose, mission, and values as a suite of areas to cover. So mission is what you do as a company, what your business is, right? Purpose is why you do it. And then the values are the, you know, it's the principles that guide how you behave, right? So purpose really needs to be tied to those other areas, right? It shouldn't float out there divorced from your business. It's picking up on Seren's point. Your purpose should be very company specific, but it should tie into why you exist. So that's important to think of those things together. It's also important to make sure that your purpose is not so general that it could apply to, you know, sort of every company. We want to make life better. We want to make the planet better. Okay, well, you got to make it a little more specific than that. The other thing to keep in mind is that purpose takes real work. If you're going to have a purpose, you're going to have to follow through because having a purpose that you don't follow through with is alienating to your, your employees, to your customers, to your business partners, to your investors. You really need to be prepared to follow through and live up to, to that purpose. But if you've got it, it's incredibly powerful. Just picking up on the last topic, you know, it's actually helpful, we found, for not just attracting rank and file employees. It's very helpful to attract the best board members. Board members often have many companies that they can serve on, right? But if they believe in why that company exists, why that's going to make a more engaged and energized and committed director. And let's stay with that for a second. How do I attract the best people? You just talked about attracting the best directors. Srinand, let's perhaps go a few generations further down and we'll probably don't really see Gen, Gen Z and, and Gen Y in, in the boardroom. But what are the implications of purpose to generational demand? Good question. Before I answer that, just want to add something to what Paul just said in terms of what makes a good purpose. For me, it's about materiality and being able to operationalize that within reality. So when we when we hear about companies that set net zero targets and they want to achieve net zero by 2030, but don't have a plan built out to actually achieve that, I question whether that is purpose with intent behind it. It's about having that target, but actually understanding how you're going to get there on that journey and making that material and bringing everyone along, which really brings us to, well, who are those people that we're trying to bring along and what does that mean to your question in terms of the, this current generation? It's really topical because our, our interns are about to leave after their nine-week summer stint and, you know, I've worked quite closely with the three or four of them and they're, they're just going through their final presentations and it, to, to hear them talk about the work they've done with me and, and, and the rest of the ESG practice here and how it's opened their eyes and how, how, how they find it really enjoyable and engaging really speaks to the fact that if you look at the statistics from the Harvard Business Review has a whole bunch of different stats and studies out there, but the stats are loosely 90% of Gen Z believe that companies must act in a social, must, must act on social and environmental issues. You know, 83% of Gen Z take that into account when they're thinking about places to work and seven out of 10 employees expect opportunities for social impact through their day to day. So in terms of what it means for the next generation, if you want the higher end of talent, money's one thing, great, but being able to enable and act on people's purpose and intent and des de desires to have positive impact, 
that breeds a culture of being able to attract and retain talent, which reduces operating costs and reduces burden on your individual company to continually upskill and bring people in and rates of attrition and all that, all that gory stuff that we don't really talk about. So, you know, it's no longer about just the pure money as, as aspect. If we go out into graduate schools and try to recruit, what we offer them at a base level salary is going to be very similar to what our competitors do. But what sets us apart is our purpose, vision, and social impact strategy. Understood. And let's move a little bit towards the logistics of how we're setting up this culture. Paul, obviously your report is giving a few examples, but I want to pick out one that has been quite prominent, I think, and that is compensation. So is compensation one of the best levers to pull to get people involved with sustainable business? Yeah, look, it's, it is helpful. But when we asked the members of our working group what they thought was most important, the top was internal recognition from senior management, followed by promotion, career opportunities, and then came compensation. So it's, it's in the mix, but it's not actually at the top of the mix. The other thing I would say about compensation is I think companies may have slightly missed the boat. We've got about 70% of the S&P 500 in the United States that have adopted some form of ESG performance measures in their executive compensation programs, right? Often those are specific greenhouse gas emission goals or diversity, equity, inclusion goals. But here's where I think they might be missing the boat. I actually think that, and what came out of the, the recessions we had, is that the, the goals you set, it may be better to not just have those specific goals out there for those discrete topics, but actually goals relating to your embedding of sustainability into your culture. How well does your workforce understand the business model? How well do they understand the intersection with sustainability, right? Those are the sorts of things that you can measure and say, all right, that's what's going to make risk management better and frankly, make it more possible for us to achieve opportunities over the long run and have better impact over the long run than just these discrete goals. So tying compensation to actually cultural transformation is perhaps even more important and not something a lot of companies are doing yet. Sorry, just to add on that, when we look historically at what compensation is tied to, what that breeds is a notion of, I just need to do this and I'll get compensated for it. If we look at the global fund financial crisis in 2008, that was all down to a level of greed that was tied to compensation for pretty risky products, right? What we don't want to get into the habit of doing is saying, yeah, we're tying sustainability culture to compensation, but have that be so superficial that you can just tick that off very, very easily and set a net zero strategy, not do anything on it, walk away, and then you get compensated for it. That's a level of, what's the word? It's insincere, right? We need to tie building a sustainability culture down to sincere impact. So really, I would look at our leaders to say, well, what opportunities are you giving your people to derive direct social impact through their day-to-day? That type of metric, you know, giving them opportunities. We're going through our our, our annual stewardship week here where, where we provide people with opportunities to give back to their communities, but as an example of what they could do every day of their lives as well. So we're really fostering that culture at Baker Tilly and tying that level of impact, that deeper than surface level of impact, that's where the crux of compensation tied to sustainability needs to be. Otherwise, it's superficial. Yeah, and you probably want to actually identify whatever it is you're measuring 
and run with it for a while, even before you tie compensation to it. So it's actually embedded in your operations before you're providing that. That way, it is a more authentic measure of compensation rather than something that's just tacked on. Agree. And Srinath, let's stay with you then for our final question. And I suppose that is, where can we get started now? I appreciate there will be many organizations who will already have built something. At what point do they have to reset? Where should we start now? What is the right way of approaching to drive this culture forward? What can leaders start doing today in order to build the new agenda? In terms of culture, let's put let's put risk and corporate risk aside and talk about culture. It's about knowing your people and it's about knowing your communities in which you operate. So for, so in order to do that, you need to have good understanding of materiality, what's important to where your factories are, what's important to those individual workers coming through. So I would suggest every two years, a refresh materiality assessment would bring to light what the company and the people that make up that company say is pertinent to them in terms of environmental, social and governance in, in, impact. And that can drive the formulation of a strategy to, to really provide opportunities for them to engage in that. That's where I would start, but that's a really important one. The tenor of conversation around this tends to be really sort of, why aren't you doing this? Well, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. It's not that at all. It's a journey of continuous improvement. It's a journey of continuous feedback and understanding. People's, people's issues and companies' issues might change over time, and therefore you need to be malleable to changing sustainable culture focus over time. Because if you're not addressing those current issues, then you're not really providing the level of impact you want. So in order to get started and to answer your question, I would talk to everyone in my company and in my community and have a far reaching materiality assessment that gives me the four, five, six things that will underpin my sustainability culture and purpose. All anything to add on? Yeah, I would pick up on what was just said that materiality analysis helps, but it helps because it's going to be informing your strategy. So what you really want to do is figure out, figure out what you've got identified those issues and then you figure out, okay, where are we today on those? Where do we want to go? And how do we get there? So you actually need to have those issues built into your business strategy. You need to have a certain level of governance at both the board and management level. Um, so you've got some capabilities to oversee the implementation of the strategy, and then you need to set some goals. And I think if you've got those three things in place, you can then start to think about, okay, how do we drive these issues more deeply into our corporate culture? But, you know, I think one thing that's come through a lot in this is one of the most important things in all of this is the culture of continuous learning, continuous improvement. That has to be embraced at the board level and at the senior management level. It means that you've got to have people at the top of the house who don't show up at work to prove how smart they are and how much they already know, but actually show up to learn. Yeah, I like that. And let's take our first questions from the audience. And I want to get to a very straightforward one, Paul. Let's tap into your experience here. And somebody asking, what is the bigger issue in fostering sustainability culture? Employee participation or leadership guidance? Well, it's an and, not an or. But I think you actually do have to, or no, our report suggests you do have to make sure you've got the top of the house in order because if you've got employee participation, but it's not supported by the leadership, you're in trouble. And so the things you need though at the top of the house is among other things, we talked about 
you know, knowledge and capabilities and mindset and behaviors. One of the most important things at the top of the house is this open-mindedness. And frankly, it's the capabilities that go along with change, right? So a lot of folks may think they're better at managing change at the top of the house than they actually are. So that's one of the capabilities you need to focus on at the top of the house on top of everything else, because otherwise, if they don't have the ability to make change themselves and to manage change throughout the organization, this thing is going to go nowhere. Yeah. I think when you talk about those two sides of the coin, people at Baker Tilly sit on boards of not-for-profits and follow their own passions and have community impact in their own way. This whole re report, which everyone should read, by the way, it's a pretty com compelling report, is all about setting, setting your company strategy and your organizational strategy towards how you engage with your community. You don't have the top of the house in order and you don't have clear direction. The people will do what they're going to do anyway, and they'll find purpose in their own means. This is about the company setting its purpose and its agenda and bringing people to it. So I, I firmly believe you've got to start from the top and then take your lead as, as you go from your people. But without setting that purpose and agenda at the board and CEO level and C-suite level, you really don't have a rudder. If I could just add one thing that's helpful at both the top of the house and throughout the employee population, certainly the next couple of levels of management, is to have outside voices speak to why this matters, whether it's your regulators, your communities, your business partners, your customers, and your investors, if you're a public company and others, because hearing those outside voices and they're heard by both the top of the house and the rest of the organization helps to make clear that this isn't a vanity project for the top of the house, that this is something that matters for the long-term future of the organization. And so I think that's bringing in those outside voices can help in moving both the top and the rest of the organization forward. Right. Top of the house boards, you both said it. Next question is around governance or monitoring the progress of the organizational culture. I would assume that is a board task. Paul, let's stay with you. And then Srinand, how do we monitor progress of this organizational uh, change? Well, so I think a couple things. One is, you know, you can build some of these questions about where you are in sustainability culture and knowledge and so forth into employee surveys. And that's useful, right? But you can also try to track this through other metrics, which is how is this in fact affecting our turnover? How is it affecting our ability to attract talent, right? Those are some other areas that you would want to measure as well. But there's something that I think boards may want to consider, which is a deeper, call it cultural audit. That sounds more serious than perhaps it is. But you can have focus groups, actually, where you actually hear from employees at various levels of the organization about your corporate culture generally and sustainability aspects in particular. That's a great lens because, candidly, a lot of times those employee survey results and so forth get reported to the board in a way that may not have the full context and nuance, shall I say, that would come through otherwise if you're getting an outside group to help run these cultural focus groups. I think there's so many metrics. The attrition rate is one of them. I mean, if you can compare that, these pulse surveys that every company does, I mean, I have a personal opinion on them and I think we could utilize them a lot better. And as you say, Paul, how they're communicated up the chain could probably change a bit. I'd also look at graduate entry rates and what they're saying when offers go out and the on-campus recruitment section of every organization that does that. 
is probably going to gain a lot more insight into what graduates and potential recruits are saying. And increased performance there, increased pushback there is probably one of the metrics. I know back in the day, I used to look at that when I, I had the privilege of representing a company, going out on campus and talking to people as a manager and whatever, whatever else, and hearing them talk about the work we did in the climate change and sustainability sphere at that point was really cool and we wouldn't get any pushback, but I would love to, I'd love to hear when I have someone from M&A go out and represent Baker Tilly, I'd love to hear the pushback they get. I'd love to hear sort of warts and all, what are the graduate cohorts saying? And, you know, I think that's probably a really good way of measuring how well viewed your organization's sustainability culture is as well. Yeah, including your business partners and others. I think that's a fabulous point because one of the things that's interesting about sustainability culture is it doesn't end with your own workforce, right? If you've got it right, to make an impact, you're going to have to have an impact throughout your value chain with your business partners and so forth. So two ways, you want to measure whether you're actually helping to change culture more broadly, but also how you're viewed by the other stakeholders. And I think that that gets to the authenticity of this is, okay, that's great. We've got this program. We say we're doing these things. But are people who are interacting with you, including your business partners and your, you know, end consumers, if you're in a B2C or, uh, situation, do they actually believe it? Yes, very good point. We're almost at time here. Building a sustainability culture, the report by the conference board and sponsored by Baker Tilly is out now. We will distribute the link after this session. I want to both give you the opportunity for closing remarks. Let's start with you, Srinand. One minute. What are your final recommendations or thoughts on building that sustainability culture? Well, let me spend 30 seconds on both sides of the coin. So if you're a leader and you're on the board and you have an inkling that your business organization is not representing the communities and your people as well as it should, start having the conversation. Start gaining a bit of momentum towards actually addressing the issues and bringing what does sustainability and what does that culture look like for my organization and my people. If you're on the flip side of that coin, start talking up the chain as to the impact you actually want to have Start talking to those around you. Start talking about the opportunities that you'd like to see and start putting that into your goals and capabilities throughout throughout your pro progression because the more it's recognized, the more opportunities you're going to get to actually have visibility up the chain of how important sustainability culture is. So if you're not doing anything, start doing something, whatever it might be, have the conversation, create a groundswell, bring people along and make sure that the company, your customers, your clients, the broader community see how important this stuff is for your organization and for you personally. Very good. Paul? Sure. I think as you're having that conversation, think at the board level, you want to talk about the risk of inaction. If we don't do something here, what are the consequences? That's a great spur to get things going, but it's the return that comes with action, a different sort of ROI that will really sustain this effort of driving sustainability into your culture. And I think the goal here is to drive this into your culture so deeply that it's not only part of your culture, how you behave day to day, but it's part of your company's character that will outlast the current board, that will outlast the current management, that really becomes part of the company's identity as it goes forward in a way that works for the long-term interests of the company itself, its stakeholders, society at large, and the natural environment. Fantastic closing remark. Thank you very much. Paul, 
Washington and Srinant Yalamanchili. Great pleasure to have you both join us today. Thanks so much for your time and have a great day wherever you are. Very much. Thank you. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our podcast and be part of our growing community committed to making a positive impact. Visit our website at boardreport.org for additional resources and stay up to date with the latest reports, intelligence and conversations.